What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Um, Welcome to the show today. I am super, 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 super excited about this guest that we have. It is Paige Hobson. She is incredible. And we're going to be talking about eating disorders, body image struggles, um, where they originate from, and how to overcome them. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I am so pumped to be here sharing my story. Well, let's just go ahead and um, dive in here because I want people to get value right away. So um, Paige, will you share with us your story about um, your eating disorder, I guess, in just like lighter terms, and then we'll get even deeper into it. Sure. Um, Lighter terms. Wow. Okay. I don't know. Maybe heavier (laughs) terms. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So I get what you mean. So uh, growing up, I was always insecure. I There was not really a point of my life where I was like brimming with confidence as a young person. Um, and by young person, I mean like kid and teenager. Um, and I, and it kind of like body image struggles run in my family. So I kind of grew up watching my mom and my other like female family members struggle with it. So I um, kind of took it on as well. And my mom always told me like she never wanted to put it on me, but it ended up happening. And um, so growing up, there was just like this, um, like this lack, I guess. And I always felt like there was something wrong with me or like I just wasn't enough. There was so much comparison going on and I, there's so much I could dive into here, but if we're keeping it just kind of light and short and sweet right now, um, I would say that it just stems from a lack of confidence and I got to college. So I like went through, um, high school and was just really insecure and was just felt like not pretty and didn't like my body. Um, but I didn't do anything about it. I thought that, you know, I thought that I would never struggle with depression. I thought that I would never struggle with an eating disorder. I never picked myself as someone who would struggle with those things, but I eventually did. Mm. I went to college and I started my freshman year of college and gained like the freshman 20 for me and was just feeling really terrible about myself. And Um, my mom approached me and she was like, Hey, she was coming from a really great place. She was just like, Hey, like, I know this is something that you have been struggling with. I think we should pursue together personal training. And I was like, okay. So we started, I was being coached and I started to track macros and I got into like the best shape of my life. And I felt amazing and I looked amazing. Um, But over time, I began to feel 
a greater sense of fear of losing it. So like I finally got what I wanted and then fear set in of like gaining the weight back. I was so scared of like any weight gain or like anything that I thought that like tracking macros to a T and working out like so hard, like two hours a day in the gym, like so, so hard was, I thought that that was like the only way that you could get in shape. I thought that like that was the, the way, there was no other way to do it. Um, and I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with macros. It teaches you a lot about balance in nutrition, but I think for me, it was too, um, too structured to a point where I would have panic attacks if I didn't hit my macros. I would cry at a piece of cake. Like it just was sucking the life out of me. And I developed these really, really poor habits and poor habits in terms of like, I would check my physique in the mirror constantly. Like every time I passed a mirror, I would like pull up my shirt and look at my abs and see, oh, do I still have abs? Like, I don't even know why it just began. And, um, weighing all my food obsessively, putting it in like containers upset. Like I just was really OCD about everything and it was sucking the life away from me. And eventually, um, it was actually like my faith that kind of showed me that I had an issue and that I wasn't actually living Mm. um, because of all of these poor habits that I developed. And so thus began, once I realized, oh my gosh, I have something going on, like there's something wrong. Um, And the people around me could tell, but they were afraid to approach me about it. But once I realized that something was wrong, I felt shame for it, but thus began like the three-year journey of recovery, which I'm, I mean, I'm still kind of recovering from. I would say I'm mostly recovered, but I'm like, there are still times where it creeps back in or tries to at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Paige. Thanks for sharing that. Um, That's amazing. So let's go ahead and take it back a little bit. Um, to the beginning of how it all started. So how old were you when you first remember starting to feel like your body wasn't beautiful or feeling like self-conscious about your body? Yeah, very young. Um, So I grew up as a dancer. I danced from about age three to 18 and I did it competitively. Once I got to like, I think about age 10, I started doing competitions And I remember younger than age 10, I had this like children's book and it was all about the idea of the children's book was actually to show little girls that all body types are beautiful. But I remember looking at it and there was like an illustration of these little girls in a ballet class and they all had all different body shapes. And I remember looking at the girl who was like the, the smallest, like the thinnest and thinking to myself, yeah, I want to look like that. Mm. And I just think I can't really pinpoint one, one reason for it, but it was from the very, very beginning of my life. Um, 
in addition to like kind of what living in a world that perpetuates thinness and like diet culture um, and just being born into that. I also was bullied from a very young age. Um, I was bullied by the same people. Um, They were family friends and they basically harassed and bullied me from about age six to until I left for college. And um, from the beginning, that like little seed planted like that, like planted seeds of worthlessness in, in my heart and made me feel like, oh wow, like I'm weak, I'm powerless, um, I'm not worth anything, which then played into how I saw myself um, and my body and my beauty. Yeah. So, yeah, it was So awful. what kind of comments would um, those family friends make to you as a, as a small child or a young girl? They, um, so they like weren't really inherently, they never made comments about my appearance, but it was more of, um, gosh, it kind of changed as we got older because we were all around the same age. Um, but in the beginning, it was like things, it was like leaving me out and pushing me off of swing sets and like, um, calling like straight up calling me names laughing at me but like doing so in a way that the parents wouldn't see so when I went to my parents to tell them what was going on they like didn't they kind of didn't really believe me Mm. and they thought that I was just being oversensitive and because I am a sensitive person and it's not that hard to make me cry but as a young person like I was really easy like it was really easy to make me cry um but it was bad and so I went to my parents and I was like this is going on like they're hurt they're doing things that are not okay and my parents were like oh no like you're just being sensitive um and like so then that taught me like oh I'm just being sensitive which is also a weakness so I'm just super duper weak and powerless and worthless like I must be worthy of having people treat me this way so like therefore I must also be ugly and undesirable Mm, wow yeah a lot of my clients that I talk to um have dealt with bullying especially yeah growing up like elementary school middle school sometimes even high school Mm -hmm. um and it's crazy the amount of I think it's because at such a young age, it's crazy the amount of um, depth to those lies that just stick so deeply within a person. Um, and they feel like truth. You know, they begin to feel like truth because you're so young and so impressionable that the opinions of others matter like a thousand times more. Oh, 100%. Like I wasn't getting any kind of um, positive affirmation. I mean, like my parents yes but with them I was just kind of like oh you're my parents you have to say that and so I wasn't getting any anyone speaking life and truth into me and telling me like positive things I was just getting negative stuff so I just took it on and believed that that was that was what I was I was worthless and powerless and deserving of the treatment that I got yeah, like to not be included and to be like pushed around and um, 
also like in a passive aggressive way, like, right. That's like cutting corners. Right. So the parents wouldn't see, like, you probably, I could see the lie being, I'm different than those kids. Like I'm not like those kids. Yep. And pretty much everything like intelligence, body, like just kind of worth as a human being overall, like everything was, was hit in that. Yeah. Um, did you struggle with weight at that time? No, I was totally healthy. Didn't like, didn't really realize what was going on. Just always felt um, insecure about being beautiful, but I was never, I was never overweight. It just ended up taking on a different form, like later on in your life where like, Mm -hmm. even though they were never attacking your, your body at that time, you you kind of manifested that or, or took that in as like, it ended up manifesting in, in your body. Is yeah. That- it was just another place that I was looking for worth. Mm. And I was so fixated. I mean, for my whole life, I've been so fixated on beauty. Um, and just like, so fixated on like wanting to be that girl that, you know, everyone's eyes go-to in a room and it's like oh she's stunning and like that's just coming from a desire of wanting to be special and wanting to be seen which I wasn't getting I like I wasn't being seen and so that was where that was like that's where that started um and so then it developed into this like oh I want to be seen oh I want to be beautiful oh in order to be beautiful I have to be thin oh, I'm naturally curvy, so that sucks. I, mm. you know, I'm ugly. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. So um, so you remember that you were bullied and you remember that, like, you felt different than other kids. Um, well, do you have any other, like, significant memories that that you think played into this, this lie that you began to believe about your self-worth? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) um, let's see. Yes. I think with my, my relationship with my dad, he's awesome, but he was not the most hands-on parent when I was growing up. And I think it's just when you're a kid, you look up to your parents and you just, like, you idolize them almost because they're your only, or your, they're your closest role models. Right. And my dad was, um, he didn't really know how to parent a girl, I think, or parent really in general at the time. And... Um, so there wasn't any like, you're beautiful. This is what I see in you. This is who you are. Like there wasn't any like identity um, spoken into my life. And so I felt like most of my life with the bullying, with that, just kind of like from such a young age, I felt really like confused mm. time about like, okay, what's what's my identity I don't really know who I am like am I beautiful I don't think so I don't really know the world's telling me I'm not I don't really know what's going on and so it just led me to attach 
um, myself to like anything that was popular. So like any popular opinions, I didn't want to rock the boat and disagree with anyone. Um, I would take, you know, if somebody had like a good idea in class or something, I would be like, oh yeah, like I, I agree with that. So like, that's also my idea. Like I never really had any like original thoughts of my own. Wow. Dang. That's big. Yeah. yeah. And um, it played into my body just because it was like another part of me that I was confused about. Um, and just like everything else, everybody else is like, you know, beautiful and I'm looking at them from an outside perspective which outside perspectives often favor like you when you look at yourself you're your worst critic right I remember one of my memories is I remember asking my mom like hey mom I, I was probably like 10 hey mom when you like do you look do you always look better to other people and she was like yeah I think like other people definitely see you you know, better than you see yourself. And I was like, okay, good. Because I think I was starting to question what I looked like at that age. Like I was starting to be like, oh, is that what I look like in the mirror? Oh gosh, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, um, so you were hoping like, hopefully when other people look at me, they see me better than I see me. Right, exactly, exactly. And so I think like for me, just from a super, super young age, just I wasn't I wasn't like my own person I just was kind of floating through existence and I didn't have any foundation of confidence or you know like what are my thoughts what is what am I about what do I like to do like I got to college and I got to my 20s and I was like I don't even know what I'm passionate about I don't know what I like to do like I don't know anything about myself wow yeah I love the word that you said there of I had no original thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that women across the board, especially really struggle with that because um, while of course both men and women can be severe people pleasers, I think oh, totally. by experience, it seems like women um, might struggle with that more so. And so it's like this idea, just like you said, of like when other people have thoughts, you're like, yeah, that thought's better than my thought because yeah. you always think that you're not, if, if as a person you're believing my thoughts aren't smart or I'm not worthy or I'm not beautiful or all the plethora of lies of not enoughness that we struggle with, I think that that's where when someone else has a thought, you're like, oh yeah, that must be a really good idea. Oh yeah, that, that girl's idea, really great idea. And so you kind of continue to give away your power to let other people's thoughts matter more than your own. And then what ends up happening is basically you know, like you don't even have your own thoughts. And and just like you said, the thoughts that you think are yours aren't even yours. They're literally like someone else's implanted into you. And then you hit some point in your life where like you actually have to make a choice on your own and you don't even trust your own voice. You don't even trust your own decision-making because you've never actually made your own decisions. And that's something I hear women saying all the time to me of like, I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. And I think that's because over the years, when a woman from a very young age decides to give her power and her voice and her thoughts to everyone else, when the time comes for her to actually make her own decisions in life, she's like, I I don't even know how to do that. 
because it's like a muscle that hasn't even been ever used. So there's no idea about how to like do it. And if she were to make her own choice on something, it's like, can I even trust my decision? Because for so long, I've trusted everyone else's decisions. Are you ready for change, but not sure which direction to go or how to get there? I feel you. I've been there before. Whether you're trying to change your body, your career, or your relationships, it all starts with believing that you are worthy and your life has a purpose worth pursuing. So if you want support in up-leveling your mindset and taking action on your life, I would love to support you. Apply for my one-on-one coaching program by clicking the link on my Instagram bio or going to my website at JanelleLanae.com. I cannot wait to talk to you. Right. And it's, it's like a, on top of it, it's a fear of judgment because you're like, oh, what if I make my own decision and it's a fail? And it's like a big, embarrassing fail. And people are like, you know, what if people laugh at me? What if people criticize me? What if people judge me? Like, it's all about other people. And it's never about, okay, what am, what's actually the best decision for me? What's actually the best you know, what do I actually believe? Um, And I think for me, it made me feel better to jump on a bandwagon of someone else's thought um, because I liked it and I didn't have to do the work to generate it myself, but it made me feel better because it was supported by other people. And therefore, like I was supported by other people. So like, if I'm like, oh, that's an awesome thought, I'm going to take that as my own and agree with that and like preach that as if it was my own original thought that makes me feel like an innovator and like someone who people are going to be like, Oh yeah, like I agree. That's awesome. That's an awesome thought. And I didn't even do the work to come up with the thought on my own. Dang. That was deep. I love that. (laughs) That was really good. No, I'm like being mind blown over here. I'm like, whoever's listening to this is probably like, if you're like on the treadmill or something right now, you probably had to stop running to just like process. <laughs> Cannot move legs and figure out what the heck Paige just said because I was freaking awesome and fire. <laughs> this is lots of processing. <laughs> yeah, no, like re- like listen to that again, people. Like go back and listen to that again because <laughs> original thoughts can feel like your own after so many years of allowing everyone else to make opinions for you and never having your own opinion, never disagreeing, never rocking the boat, always caring way more about everyone else's thoughts and opinions of you than your own thoughts and opinions of you, which is crazy because you're going to get a thousand different thoughts and opinions, you know, like there's so many different peoples and brains and, you know, something that some people agree with, then you're going to find 10 more that don't agree with it. Like you can't please everyone. So like, why not try first and foremost to please yourself and not in like a weird way of like selfishness but just like having an opinion and standing by it like there's nothing sexier than a woman who has an opinion who speaks her voice and is like kind of has the attitude of like you either stand with me or you don't stand with me if you don't stand with me like no problem I don't you know we don't have an issue but like if you stand with me great let's continue on you know and that's that's how every big innovator was I think of I don't know just off the top of my head like Harriet Tubman, you know, and um, Martin Luther King Jr. Like, I think of these people who 
stood for something big and a lot of people opposed them, but the people who took their side, they ended up making history together, you know, and that's the power of having a voice and that's the power of having an opinion. So I love that. I'm actually afraid of um, having a voice, having an opinion, like making a movement, actually being like the face of something big. There's like this thing that, um, it's like the fear of success. Like, I think a lot of people have these huge dreams, but they're actually afraid of, oh, what if it's actually, what if it actually succeeds and it's big? And so another thing that plays into that idea is like, what if I actually have something that's super profound and it's like, it's super opposed, but also changes the world. Like that's kind of scary to a lot of people. Right, right. It's kind of like my favorite quote um, by Marianne Williamson. It's our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that frightens us the most. And I think that sometimes it's the ramification of big things. Like, um, you know, for example, if you come from a family, I actually was just talking about this with a client on the phone yesterday. Um, If you come from a family who didn't go to school, didn't go to college, didn't pursue, um, you know, bigger careers, they can actually make you feel really bad about yourself for wanting to pursue you know, higher education and wanting to pursue maybe a a more quote unquote, like prestigious position, like a a doctor or a physical therapist or or whatever. Um, And then another one is like money. Like if you come from a family who doesn't have very much money and then you have this big dream, but the big dream, it might actually make you a lot of money. And even though consciously you'd be like, great, yeah, I want all that money. There's this like lower level subconsciousness that's like, the lie that if I make all of that money, will my family disown me? Or will they be like, will I be removed from them? I'll become an outsider if I make all that money, if I become successful, if I, you know, pursue this dream and it does, it actually does really awesome. You know, you, your sometimes biggest fear is that you're going to be an outsider, but you don't even realize it. And then you can self-sabotage because you're low key, not wanting to rock the boat, you're low-key not wanting to become an outsider from the family and the friends that you've always had and always known. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Oh my gosh. I'm getting rocked over here. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, cool. So um, my next question for you is, how did you break free? Like, um, I think we've talked a lot about the mindset and the low self-worth and just, the, you know, the eating disorder, the obsessiveness, the wanting to please everyone else. So we, I'm sure there are so many listeners right now who are literally like, yes, yes, yes. And they're like, so agreeing with everything we're saying. And they're like on the edge of their seat, like, please tell me how to break free from yeah. this. Like, how do I get away? Yeah. So what was your, actually, let's start with this. What was your breaking point? Like, I think you kind of touched on it at the beginning of like, um, that moment where you were like, whoa, this is actually kind of a problem. And then what has your process been like, um, recovering from this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of crazy. So people listening, buckle your seatbelt a little, but I, two years ago, I spent, um, three months in India. Um, I was doing an internship there. It was a very like, incredible but also hard summer it was the summer that I realized like how deep I had gotten 
with my eating disorder, mm -hmm. um, body image dysmorphia. And I think my breaking point was just kind of an ordinary day, except, you know, I was across the world, but it was like just a, nor a normal day. And I went to look at myself in the mirror for like the 80th time that hour. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how many times I had looked at myself in the mirror, but I was like, I passed by the mirror. And so of course, like I had always done before because I had developed a bad habit. I backed up, looked at myself. This is so embarrassing, but I like pulled up my shirt to look at my abs for like, like I said, the 80th time. And I just, it just hit me. I was like, this isn't normal. Like this isn't normal. What are you looking for? There was a voice in my head that was like, Paige, what are you looking for? What are you trying to see in your reflection? Um, and I think there's a lot that plays into it, but kind of with the way that your body responds to dieting, um, it often, when you're restrictive of your calories, it often doesn't last for super long. Um, right, you plateau. And yeah, you plateau, and I hit the plateau. Yeah. Um, so I had been restricting and dieting for like uh, two years at this point, and I was plateauing, um, and I think it was kind of the plateau that like made me realize what was going on and actually made me like jump into recovery. So I was ending my college career and I was stressed out to the max. So like when I went to India, it was during the summer between semesters and I like could barely work out because I was just so exhausted, but I was still like trying to push myself so hard and I was in a restrictive um, caloric intake and I'm sorry uh, are you in India at this time are you in college or where are you so like I'm in college but I'm in India over the summer okay. like between semesters yeah okay. so I'm like but I'm at the end of it so I'm like really just tired and stressed and like obsessively working out even though I'm exhausted and my body just like wasn't responding it wasn't like I was starting to gain weight because I was in restriction and because I wasn't resting and because I wasn't treating myself with kindness. Um, and I wasn't like treating my body like the temple that it is. And so, um, anyway, so I look in the mirror and there was that, this, just this moment of like, I have a problem and I am severely depressed and I, it's all really, I can't stop thinking about food. All I think about 24 hours a day is food and what I'm going to eat and whether or not it's too much and whether or not it fits my macros or whatever, or when I'm going to exercise and I'm not even living my life. Like, I don't even remember the last time I like, uh, like this, these are the thoughts going through my head. I'm like, I don't even remember the last time I like tasted what I ate. Like, I just, I don't, I lost hunger and full cues in my body um, and I just was like, all of it just hit me as I was looking at myself in the mirror. And I realized like, okay, this is something that's going on, but I had no idea where to go from there. And so I like knew that was going on and I was in India. And so obviously being in India, I have to eat food in India. So it was really good for me to kind of be in that environment of 
not being able to control my nutrition as obsessively as I wanted to. And there was no gym, so I couldn't work out as much as I wanted to either. So it was good for me to be in that environment. But I, I came home, um, came back to the States and was just like, okay, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to do. And it was a very like gradual process, but I started by facing the fact that there was something going on and I, I got help. I went to counseling. Um, I, that's like something that I would recommend anyone, like whether you actually have like an eating disorder or not, like counseling is for everyone. And it mm-hmm. is so, so good. So helpful. Um, and so I just, I went to counseling and um, through this process, like I was building my faith at the same time. And I was, I stopped tracking macros at the same time. And I started taking a hard look at like what I was doing for workouts and like whether or not I actually enjoyed that kind of movement. Um, and I started to kind of step into what I feared most, which is like letting go of control. Mm. It was like super gradual. It happened over like a year, but it was like slowly but surely just releasing control one little baby step at a time. Like, you know, not being afraid to go out to eat, like not looking up the menu before I go. Wow. Um, you know, just like working out in a way that makes me happy, which is more weightlifting and running outside rather than like sprints on the treadmill and the Stairmaster. I've like almost given up the Stairmaster completely at this point because I hate it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do like 30 minutes of running on that thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't really need to do that ever again. Yeah. Like you realized you were literally only doing it just for like the body. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I started just doing more things that I enjoyed and sleeping and like making sure that I was rested and, um, yeah, it was really, really slow. And I'm not someone who I'm working on patience. I'm not very good at it. And so for me, it felt tedious and still kind of does some days, but it Mm -hmm. felt like, oh my gosh, when am I ever going to be over this? So, Um, so you had to be really patient with yourself throughout the process. Totally. And I feel like anyone who's going through something hard like an eating disorder or anything of that nature and you're trying to take steps to improve your life it's going to be long if you want it to be long lasting and so it's like okay to be frustrated about the process but also just know that like any small progress you make is progress and it's worth celebrating yeah that's good so the things that you did that worked well for you was you went and saw a therapist mm-hmm. and then you stopped tracking your macros. So you got off of my fitness pal and yep. um, did you let yourself start eating a couple like more normal foods sometimes or, or did you still eat pretty much the same thing, but you just like decided to stop like weighing it and tracking it or. It started off eating kind of the same things, um, but just stop with the tracking and the weighing of it. Um, and then over time, um, I started to like, there were a lot of times where I felt like I failed and I binged and I, um, I wasn't listening to my body well. 
but the whole idea was to listen to my body. So it started by eating the same foods and not tracking them. And then over time it evolved into um, eating when I'm hungry, what sounds good, like what is going to nourish my body the most. Like that's kind of the question that I ask myself. Okay, what is going to nourish my body the most? And I actually love healthy food and I love the way that healthy food makes me feel. And I'm in a place in my life now where healthy is just so much more desirable to me than like, um, than like eating a certain calorie number, I guess. Yeah. Um, because when I was tracking macros, I would eat like the weirdest stuff. I would have, like, like really weird. Like I just would have like, I would have like really processed stuff because I could fit it in. Like I was like, oh, this is freedom using air quotes here <laughs> um, because I can fit it into my macros, but I wasn't taking into the account, like, how is it making my body feel? Is it actually like making me feel energized and good? Or is it making me feel like, you know, like sluggish because it's full of chemicals or, you know, how's my actual health? And so it was really good for me to step away from that because over time I started to like, I got my, my hunger and full cues back. I could mm -hmm. tell when I was hungry and full again over time. And then I started to realize like, okay, I, these are the foods that my body likes. Okay. This is what I'm going to eat. This is what sounds good. This is what tastes good. Um, and I'm going to stop when I'm full. Like just my, your body is so smart that it knows how much it needs. Mm -hmm. And so I messed with it so much because I, I'd done, Initially, I did a cut to lose all of the weight, and then I did a crazy reverse diet, which is where you increase your calories to um, increase your metabolism, and I was eating like, oh, lot. I was eating like, oh, close to 100 grams of fat and like 300 grams of carbs and like, just like really crazy macros that I couldn't really keep up with when I stopped tracking macros. Yeah. Um, and so like naturally, I gained weight because... Um, there was just this change and I wasn't working out the same way. And like my body was just going back to like, I wasn't shredded anymore. <laughs> right. Well, I love what you're saying right now about like the kind of the way the fitness industry works is you, you do a calorie cut. So like say your, um, you know, the calories you need is like 1800 calories a day, but you want to lose weight. So a lot of girls will try to eat like a thousand or 1200 calories a day so they can lose weight really quickly. And sometimes even crazier. I mean, I've heard of crazy diets where you're like 600 calories a day and stuff like that. So you cut all these calories, you barely nourish your body. Um, you lose a bunch of weight, but then your body reaches homeostasis. So therefore it levels out. And now your body has actually gotten used to 1200 calories as its basis. So then once again, in the fitness industry, that's when you do the reverse diet, like what you were talking about. And that's where people just eat once again, then like a bunch of calories. So sometimes like even more than you need. So maybe like 2,200, even though maybe you only need 1800. So then your body gets used to this like higher calorie thing. So then you can cut again. So the idea is that you're like losing weight, like, for example, losing 10 pounds and then doing the reverse diet and only gaining like two or three, then losing 10 pounds again. So it's just like yo-yo. It's like mm -hmm. 
calorie deficit, calorie surplus, calorie deficit, calorie surplus, like, and it's this up and down. It's very strenuous on the mind. It's strenuous on the body. It's just up and down and all around. And it just creates such an unhealthy view of how food is meant to be consumed and what health is actually like. And so, um, learning to intuitive eat, which is what you did, is basically starting to learn to listen to your body of like, am I hungry or am I not hungry? And also asking the question, how can I feed my body in a nutritious way? So, you know, yes, you might every once in a while have a treat, but on a regular basis, you enjoy eating healthy foods because you're so in tune with your body that you're like, my body actually feels better when I eat this like really healthy, nutritious, you know, vegetable and protein combo or whatever, and having, having carbs and not being afraid of them, but also not having too much of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I really like that I want to touch on is like losing control. I think, you know, one of the biggest parts of an eating disorder, whether it be, um, anorexia, bulimia, um, or even just whatever you want to call this new age, uh, perfection of fitness, AKA working out two hours a day and eating perfect macros every single day, um, for months or years on end. All of these things are about having control in your life. So at that point, you need to ask yourself, why are you so afraid of losing control? Right? What is happening in your life outside of just health and fitness? Because it's something so much deeper, right? For you, it was like, do people love me? Am I lovable? Do I have worth? These were the questions you were actually asking, which is why you felt the need to control every possible outcome to hopefully control the love. If I'm skinny and fit, and if I lift up my shirt and see nice flat abs, then I am lovable. Right. Started to attach your body with the love that you deserve or the worth that you deserve. Yeah. And that's why so often women try to control their body so much because they really want to be loved or, you know, to be noticed or to feel worthy. And I think um, right around the, I mean, for me, when I was in like the, probably the darkest part of it, it was also the same time that I was struggling with pretty severe depression, like, and it was related to my eating disorder, but also not. Um, I had some pretty severe depression and my parents got divorced and I like got my heart broken, like all in like the same span of like a few months. And I was going to food and working out because that was the only thing I could control in my life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like losing control, I was um, reading a book the other day and by reading a book, I mean, listening to audible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's, oh gosh, it's also by Marianne Williamson. And it's something about, I can't even think of the title right now. It's something love, but she says, um, you know, talking about losing control, it's like our biggest fear in losing control is like, well, what if I do the exact opposite? So for me, a lot of times it's, it's work and I'm like working so hard because I'm like, if I let go of work, like if I didn't work like a freaking maniac. I would just fall off the bandwagon. I would just watch Netflix all day, eat potato chips, get fat and lose all my, like not make any money. Like we think the worst possible scenario when we let go, right? So I'm sure when you started to 
let go of counting your macros and let go of your two hour gym sessions daily, you were like, what if I get morbidly obese and I become like the ugliest person ever? And like what, what might happen at first, um, I do think that sometimes we, we kind of do swing that way, right? Like when we are really intense one direction, every, you know, when we let go of control, sometimes you do end up having some of those binging moments like you talked about Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to eat like 10 pieces of cake and donuts and freaking chips and salsa and tacos and a hamburger. And, and so that might happen for a little bit, but it's kind of like the homeostasis thing with the body. It's like eventually, even though you might swing the opposite direction for a moment or a couple weeks or whatever, or for, for work, for my example, yeah, maybe for a little bit, I would be lazy and do nothing and lay in bed all day and whatever. But what actually ends up happening is then you're, then you kind of come out of the fog and you're like, Oh, I, I could find a balance. Like I don't need to be on either ends of these like crazy spectrums of complete control and complete, you know, uncontrol, like on un- complete, I don't know, disaster. And you end up finding this like very calm, peaceful middle ground that you're just moving forward, whether you're moving forward in weight loss and enjoying your body and finding your self-worth or if it's you know work it's like you just have this like more peaceful outlook and you actually do take steps forward and you do you have a slower steadier route to it it's not quite so like all or nothing but it's like baby steps forward which is is better right slow and steady wins the race we all know that so um yeah i think that that's an important thing for the listeners to hear um, that I'm hearing you say over and over and over again is that it wasn't overnight. It wasn't perfect. Um, After you lost control, there were moments of like binging or going quote unquote too far the other direction. Um, And so now it, it seems like you've really found this, this middle ground. So, so what has that been like? And what has it been like mentally for you, Paige? Um, Yeah, I, there, I mean, there are always days, like, I think there are always days where you feel like anyone would probably struggle a little bit with like, Ooh, I don't, I don't feel super great about my body today or whatever, but, um, I definitely have found a middle ground and I'm so, so thankful. And like you said, and like I've said countless times already, like it was not fast. It's been almost three years in the making. Um, and it was kind of trial and error. So like once I was okay with releasing control, I, and I'm like a control person. That's something that I struggle with. So releasing control was like on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, where I was like, oh, I need, like, I need a diet that I need to stick to and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. Oh, I need a workout plan. No, I don't. No, I don't. And so it's kind of learning along the way, like kind of like the bumpy journey like learning along the way that like, okay, you don't have to like, you know, you say you release control, but sometimes it might sneak back in, but like you can release it over and over and over again. And it's okay. It's leading you in the same direction. Um, and so what life looks like now is um, I work out probably like four or five days a week because it makes me feel really good. I've over time, found like found that my body loves to move if I feel so good after I've, I've moved in some way 
Um, I don't like sitting around all day and I work, um, I work from home, but like usually I'm sitting. And so I like have to move my body in some kind of way. And, um, I used to work out like five or six days a week. Like, like I said, two hours, like super hard. And that just left me exhausted. And this is like the idea of like exercise that can be like, um, get, like give you energy and make you feel awesome is like kind of new to me and it's amazing. Um, and what's an example of that for people yeah. who are like, what, what, what would it even look like for me not to work out for two hours a day? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of came back to like, okay, what do I love to do? I, there are a few different ways that I love to move my body. And if it's, if it's a workout that I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do blank. I love lifting weights. I love feeling strong. I love feeling empowered in strength. And so I, and I don't even care like what number of weight I'm lifting. It just, it makes me feel strong no matter what. So I will usually go and do um, a lifting session and I'm not like, I'm not going for like any super crazy PRs. I'm going to feel good and to make my muscles stronger and I'm not competing with myself. So I, I used to have like kind of this internal competition going on in my head of like, I've got to be the best. I've got to lift the most weight, blah, blah, blah. And this is more of just like, okay, this is what I can lift. I'm going to do 10 reps of this. And like, it feels awesome. Okay, great. Moving on. Yeah. Um, and what else, what else other than like weightlifting? <laughs> weightlifting? I love like hit workouts are really fun to me. I love the, that they're different. Like there's kind of, you know, you can, switch it up however you want and there's it's like dynamic and you're moving and doing different things constantly um that's really fun and lately I've gotten into running outside preferably outside and I just go on like 30 to 35 minute runs um and by run I mean like running walking and jogging like just kind of whatever I can I can do um and it has felt really good and I'm not like pressuring myself to do anything. So usually I'll do like a run and then I'll do like a weightlifting session later if I have time for it or like vice versa. So that's what that kind of looks like. Cool. And I'm wanting you to say this, but you haven't said it. So I'm just going to say it for you. She also does dance classes because yes, she used to be a dancer and that's something that like growing up, you loved dancing. And so now you started dancing again, which is also a workout and a way of moving your body. Um, so it doesn't all have to be a gym or it doesn't have to be even a run. It could be a long walk outside. It could be dancing. It could be, you know, I guess like a yoga class. It could be a 10 minute stretching session in the comforts of your bedroom or whatever. Like movement can look a lot of different ways. And yeah, I think that's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So any final tips page that you would give probably around like food or even like worthiness or speaking up, whatever it is, what's your final piece of advice for um, the listeners? Um, I have a couple. So I think for one, um, the first thing I would say is it's super important to carve out time in your life to get to know yourself. Um, whether that is, that can look like journaling, that can look like taking like a long walk and just kind of like 
you know, meditating on your life and reflecting, like just take time in your life to like invest in yourself and get to know yourself better because you can't have a sense of worth unless you know yourself. Mm, Yeah. You're going to go back to what we talked about earlier and you're going to associate yourself with other people's ideas, thoughts, opinions, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, it's just, you're so, you're so worth getting to know and you're so worth learning about yourself that like, it's so important to invest in that time. Um, and the second thing I would say is if like, you're really struggling to release control, if you're struggling with, you know, food and the way that you see yourself, there are totally practical tools that, um, can help you. And I would highly suggest counseling or getting a coach or like investing in some kind of outside source of help Mm. because it made a huge difference in my life and like that's why I'm pursuing the career path that I am now because it's made a huge difference in my life yeah so good what tell tell everyone where they can uh reach you if they want to connect about anything that was talked about today uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am Paige Hobbs, so Paige underscore H-O-B, and that's where you can connect with me. I love meeting new people. I love it. Well, thank you so much for vulnerably sharing your story today, and yeah. it is just crazy how um, connected our self-worth and our self-talk and, you know, childhood, bullying, um, all these different things can really manifest in eating disorders or um, our body. Like it's, it's really interesting, you know, cause in theory they might not be connected, right? But they actually are. And so for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, like that's, now I'm realizing like, that's why I'm having this, this control issue or this um, eating disorder. It's because of something so much deeper um, than just simply wanting to have a nice body. And that's why um, Paige and I both as coaches so fully believe in helping free women, um, not only with having a great, healthy, energized body, but also a mindset that's like, I believe in myself. I am worth getting to know. I am worth knowing. I'm worth um, this career path. I'm worth you know, dating, I'm worth being this mother, whatever it is for you, you're worth it. You really are. And, um, health and fitness is an inside out job. So the more you work on who you are internally, the rest will fall in place. Um, so thank you Paige for sharing all this today. I know there's going to be a lot of people who resonate with your story and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I needed this. So, um, (laughs) Anyone listening who who needs support, please reach out to Paige, reach out to me, reach out to someone, a loved one, a therapist, and share your story and bring your darkness into the light. The quicker you can bring your dark lies out into the light, I promise that's where the healing happens. Yes. So, okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much, Paige, for being here. Thank you so much, Janelle. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.